0: Joining us for a conversation is Dean Taylor of DimeCore Mining, which is focused on supplying rough diamonds to the world markets. Mr. Taylor, thank you for joining us today, sir. No problem. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to speak with you today as Dimecore Mining has some important news for shareholders regarding operations and a corporate update on the flagship Krone Endura at Venetia Diamond Project. Before we begin, Mr. Taylor, unbeknownst to most speculators, the diamond space has been attracting prudent capital that is seeking companies that explore and mine for diamonds. Sir, for someone new to diamonds... Please provide us with an overview of the current state of the sector and perhaps why this may be an opportune time to consider having exposure in the diamond sector.
1: Right. I think uh, as we, we've we discussed before, Morris, it, um, 2023 was a, a bit of an odd year in that uh, what we've seen was uh, a really a buildup after COVID where luxury spending, uh, you know, gem quality diamonds, that stuff, um, there was sort of a pent-up demand where the the sales were, were quite exceptional. And that continued on sort of into the middle of, uh, you know, first part of 2023. And then what we sort of have seen is a bit of overstocking where guys continued to buy. Um, the Russian market, obviously, with the conflict there, um, there's some new sanctions coming in, but largely that, that product was being sold at a discount. Um, just a lot of different variables. And as we sort of seen... Uh, things kind of uh, uncertain with the U.S. market, which is the largest market, and then the, the you know, failure on in terms of the growth, what, what was expected in China, the numbers kind of dropped off and it created this sort of uh, oversupply, uh, per se, of diamonds, which drove the price down. Um, we've only seen it twice. We saw it uh, at the financial crisis and then we saw it again uh, as we moved into uh, sort of an area or a time when uh, uh, COVID happened. Uh, both times it bounced back very, very quickly. And uh, what we've noticed is is that this, we expect kind of to be more or less similar uh, in nature. So it's it's a bit of an interesting time. I mean, the bottom line with everything is, is that um, we know that there's basically only about 1.3 billion carats uh, of reserves throughout the world. Um, about 600 million of that is in the Russian market. Um, so therefore, uh, as we see these sanctions come in, that, that could have an impact. And the world goes through about uh, somewhere around 120 million carats a year. So really, when we look at it, it's not a well-understood uh, you know, industry. But the reality is, is that gem-quality natural diamonds are, are certainly becoming harder and harder to get, more and more rare. And, and so while we see this sort of low point right now, um, I think we're going to see, you know, as we get into the end of the first and the second quarters of next year, these uh, supply shortages for, for natural rough diamonds is going to uh, increase. And uh, we've already seen a little bit of a, a move at the end of this year where uh, the buyers have started to restock and things like that. Um, it really, I think what we're going to see is it comes down to sort of how good are the Christmas numbers going into next year? What do we see in terms of recovery in China? Um, but overall, it's, it, it is an interesting time, and I think uh, while we've sort of seen this uh, third, uh, you know, in at least re- recent history in the last sort of, you know, 15 years, This is the third time. Every time it bounces back quite strongly. So I think that going into next year, we've got it's going to be interesting, to say the least.
0: Well, going back to Russia here, I know a lot of the speculators that are in this space have marked their calendars for the first of January, and you've alluded to sanctions. Can you expand on that narrative a little bit further for us? And who are some of the key players that have benefited prior to this, uh, to the first of January coming up, and who will benefit moving forward?
1: Well, I think, you know, what had happened was is obviously, um, you know, we, we don't get too much into the politics, but obviously the conflict between Russia and, uh, and Ukraine is, is something that, that was at the forefront. Um, we saw earlier the G7 countries, which are really where the main brunt of the, the sales takes place. Um, you know the u s market is is well over you know around fifty percent of what's sold in terms of luxury goods and 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 certainly uh, diamond jewelry and things like that and higher end stuff um what we we saw was g seven came out with what what I would refer to as more or less bans um around the middle just before the middle of this year. They were largely ineffective in that. Um, you know, Russian goods were still coming in. They were being bought, uh, you know, and, and most of the stuff is cut and polished in India. And the theory was, well, if it, even if it originates in Russia, uh, if it's cut and polished in India, then, you know, it's, it, it, it originates in India. And that has that gone by the wayside. A lot of the bigger guys, um, you know, your Tiffany's, your Signet's, a lot of the mainstream guys, you know, they're very, very, uh, you know, aware of their corporate social responsibilities and things like that. They came out pretty much right away and said, "Look, we're we're not interested in having anything that originates, uh, you know, from Russia." Now, what's going to happen is is the initial uh, bans, as we would call them, or sanctions, have been strengthened now. And and what'll happen is 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 really the January first number is when they'll kick in. Um, there's some initial stuff. Um, it required sort of cooperation from the Indian side, which they've gotten um and what we're going to see is is as we move through this year not only after the first is there going to be you know pretty serious sanctions where there's no way that anybody really wants to you know have Russian goods in their stores right now um and so what we're going to see is as that moves forward through to the middle uh, of the year and into the third quarter um there'll be additional tracking additional things that'll go into place to kind of uh, eliminate that so the key to remember is is that you know, the two big players in the industry are De Beers and 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 El Rosa, which is the Russian government. The Russian government at El Rosa is somewhere around between 30 and 35 percent of the production uh, worldwide. So if you take 120 million carats and you eliminate, uh, you know, 30, 35 percent of that, um, yes, those goods will still end up going to China and different areas like that that may not, uh, you know, may not may not care as much um but the reality is is that we do believe that uh you know we're going to see some some shortages um you know synthetic or lab grown diamonds um those have you know they represent about maybe 15% uh you know of of the of the space now everybody asks that question um you know the synthetic side of things it's very simple i mean natural gem quality diamonds are extremely rare um you know they're created over a billion years by the earth they're natural very very hard to find um, they have a, a absolute store of value and they continue to go up in value synthetic you know when you talk about lab-grown diamonds things like that I mean they have a place for you know more or less uh, you know costume jewelry that type of stuff they're they're fine um, but for special events and things like that uh, you know people gravitate uh, towards the, the the natural gem quality um, the synthetics it's hard to compare the two um, you know, if we look at it, I mean, you've got something that's created uh, like a piece of art. It's very rare. It's created over a billion years. Um, a lab-grown diamond is more like a print. It can be grown. Most of them are grown in China. And, you know, they can, you know, be created in, in weeks. So there's no real value uh, proposition or ability for it to hold its value. And, uh, you know, people, you know, obviously gravitate to luxury goods and rarity and things like that. So, uh, yeah, the spaces, uh, you know, from a supply-demand scenario, we've always thought that just the amount of diamonds that, uh, you know, we know are out there from the main mines, um, that would ultimately lead to difficulties in terms of uh, supply and getting a hold of stuff. Um, The sanctions tend to maybe accelerate that uh, somewhat. But overall, you know, going forward, Um, You know, there's big mines that are going off. There's nothing new coming on. So, you know, really the supply demand thing uh, and the shortages that we see coming and we've always seen coming uh, is is something that I don't think the general public understands.
0: And you know, speaking of what the general public may not understand as well is that many of our our audience members are used to grams per ton in bullion, but in the diamond space, as you alluded to, there's a difference in carrots and could you 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 talked about the synthetic and you talked about gem, but what about how does or where does rough and industrial diamonds fit into this narrative so we can kind of well, get a better understanding here
1: yeah the the other things that we look at um or that people should look at is as you say. Diamonds are are interesting. It's it's a very unique sector in that when you look at a diamond mine in general, or let's say we look at the entire, uh, you know, this hundred and twenty million carats a year. That you know, it was about one hundred and thirty five. It's gone down a little bit now to where about one hundred and twenty million carats is being supplied a year uh, of natural rough. Um, I think most people would be surprised to know that. Uh, You know, really only about 20% of that is gem. Um, You know, about 80% of it is industrial. Um, You know, used for semiconductors, cutting devices, it's the hardest material in the world. You know, drill bits, uh, cutting, polishing, all that kind of stuff. Um, So it's very, very hard to find, you know, gem quality natural diamonds. Um, You know, it it definitely, when we look at the the lab-grown diamond sector, um, it's gotten consistently, you know, cheaper. It it's more, you know, we see it in the places like Pandora and different things like that, where it's, you know, it's a it's a birthday gift. It's something maybe not quite as as meaningful as, say, an engagement or otherwise, where people want, uh, you know, something that that actually has, you know, real value to it. Um, so. You know look it's it's a our project is about 60 maybe 65 percent jam or near gem quality that's one of the nice things that that we have um as you say when you look at it it's you know typically we look at carrots per 100 ton um you can still look at it in terms of what your you know your targets are for say you know your revenue per ton as opposed to your operating cost or your all-in cost per ton um but as you go up in terms of gem quality um you know the the numbers obviously change the more gem quality you have the better it is um when we look at the overall picture for all diamonds that are recovered uh the average dollar per carat again might you know people might be surprised to know it's it's probably under 100 dollars probably 90 to 100 dollars on average um last year we had you know we're get, we get some big stones and things like that but you know we were well over sort of 350 dollars a carat so about three times what you would normally see Uh, is what we're looking at. And the big stones, like I say, for us, uh, we expect to see some stuff over, you know, up to sort of 300 carats in size and uh, individual stones. So those can be, you know, depending on the quality of the stone, they can be 3 million, they can be 5 million, they can be 15 million just in in one shot. So that's really what we focus on is, you know, we focus on the higher end guys. Um, You know, we have about 200 customers. Of course, we've got the strategic alliance with Tiffany's, which is now part of Louis Vuitton. But really our buyers are looking for that very unique, very rare gem quality stones that are obviously very, very valuable. And as they become harder and harder to find, um, you know, they go up in value. They you know, they're not something that you can produce uh, in a matter of weeks.
0: Well, let's find out where and how Dimecore Mining fits into the narrative. Mr. Taylor, please reacquaint us with Dimecore Mining and the exciting opportunity the company presents to shareholders.
1: Yeah, it's, it's been a rather unique story. It takes a long time to get everything, you know, up and running. Um, what we did was uh, we are co-located. when I say co-located, uh, you know, our, our processing plants and stuff like that are probably within 1,000, 1,500 meters of the main pipe of Venetia. Now, uh, Venetia is obviously one of the most prolific diamond mines in the world. It's owned by De Beers. It was producing somewhere in the neighborhood of about 9 million carats a year from the open pit operations. It's now gone underground, uh, drops probably that production level down to about 3 million. Um, And essentially what had happened was, is De Beers had identified that as much as sort of a thousand vertical meters or about 50 million tons of that tops of that pipe was pushed off in a glacial shift and, and subsequent erosion. So what we end up with is a really a fan deposit um that's very close and moves out from the pipe we acquired about uh you know just under six thousand hectares uh directly adjacent to the pipe and so what we do is is we we mine out the areas through a a surface mining operation we're not underground it's never more than about 15 meters from surface to bedrock and we remove that material and uh, we extract the diamonds that were displaced from uh, venetia now The thing, if you do the quick calculation, Venetia, as we talked about with grade, is somewhere around 100 carats per 100 ton. So knowing that 50 million carats was displaced, that translates into about a 50 million carat displacement, which is 10 billion U.S. dollars. Now, we're not going to find 50 million of those carats. Our target, you know, we think the potential to find somewhere between sort of three to five million, you know, call it 10 percent of that over over the area is is realistic it's a very low-cost operation as you've got no underground uh, no blasting things like that for lack of a better term it's a glorified gravel pit with essentially the same diamonds so for us the business is all about volume um you know we were ready to go before covid um you know we wanted to ramp up at that point in time covid slowed us down you know it was probably a three and a half million dollar waiting game uh to get through covid we got through that, ramped back up, and we've seen our numbers start to grow, you know, quite dramatically. Uh, South Africa had some power issues. Um, we ended up, uh, you know, going ahead and, and, and basically correcting that, uh, you know, by the middle of this year. And then we chose to kind of slow things down and work on the outer areas or get ready for the bigger picture of, of trying to advance this and make final, you know, initial production decisions for this coming year. Um, so that's kind of where we sit right now. But it's, a, it's an extraordinary opportunity. Um, you know, there's a tremendous amount of upside. And I think a lot of what we see, you know, in the stock price and the, and the current thing is just a matter of, uh, you know, I think the sector overall, the junior sector is, is, is off a bit. Uh, the market's a little tough. But I think that, uh, you know, we've ultimately always survived through these and we've done it again. And now the focus really becomes, uh, let's get going and get ready for, for next year. The other thing that I think uh, people will be surprised at is obviously this is a De Beers, you know, project. So you know, we we own 100 percent of it. We don't pay any, uh, you know, um, you know, with our Black Empowerment Group, we own 100. Uh, percent We don't pay any royalties, things like that. It was very much designed to support junior mining, women in mining, and we also have uh, our strategic alliance with uh, with Tiffany's, which is now owned by Louis Vuitton. Um, Tiffany is a small shareholder. They provided us with about uh, Some are close to ten million dollars originally in exchange for a first uh, right of refusal. They don't get a discount on anything, but they—they uh, they definitely. Uh, it's all about supply. Uh, that's that's the number one game for a lot of these bigger guys right now is making sure they have future supply and and from a non-conflict, you know, socially responsible place. Right.
0: Well, you've said a lot here. I want to go back to Tiffany's just, since you left off there. Tiffany's has been an investor in Dimecore Mining pretty much from the beginning. If one yeah. reads through the financials of DimeCorp Mining, one can see their impact on the balance sheet. Could you elaborate yeah. on the financial relationship with Tiffany's?
1: Yeah, it, it was done in a combination of debt and convertible to venture. Um, what we see, and it's one of the things that we'll look to address here in, in the new year, um, something that we've been working on and, and we want to sort that. When, when COVID happened, uh, Tiffany's was you know has been very, very good to us in the sense that uh, we were paying down that debt quite significantly as we got to COVID, and the, and the idea was is to eliminate it or get rid of it. Um, obviously, with COVID, that was a net out. We, you know, shareholders management put in probably about you know, and the largest guys, we put together about three and a half million to to basically survive through COVID. And at that time, uh, Tiffany's agreed to defer that and and just accrue interest. So what we see on the balance sheet that's a, a little bit maybe misunderstood or th- that it looks like is because there's no set terms of repayment and, and it's just being deferred, um, that shows up as a current uh, you know debt or a current liability on on the, on the balance sheet. Um, I think as we move into the new year, uh, you know we've obviously announced we're going to look at, at some forms of financing. It's, it's very tough right now. We'd like to fully finance things early in the new year uh, right through to being able to get this outer work done and make initial production decisions for the long term. And and so the goal of it will be is either to set up some sort of a amortization schedule that moves a majority of that, that current liability to a long term or to replace that facility with something um, that is more, you know, attractive in terms of cleaning up the balance sheet item. So um, a lot of what we've done now, I think, you know, our last quarter, you know, when we look at it after the power situation and what was going on was wasn't the greatest I think there people are going to see a marked difference when we get into the end of the year and then next year as we get into the first quarter you know our our desire and and we think that we have the potential to you know kind of uh, be able to present to guys saying look we we've got this sorted we're fully funded we've got about you know we've 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 reinvested we've recovered about uh, around two hundred thousand carats in the trial mining uh, phase today, off the initial close areas, that's generated about forty million U.S. that we put back in uh, to the project. We've probably got close to a hundred million dollars invested in this uh, to get all the infrastructure in. So really, when we look at what funding we need from here going forward, we're really talking about you know probably three to five million dollars at the most, and most of that is really going to go into capex in terms of additional processing capacity, uh, equipment, things like that. So really for us right now, the goal is get back going at the early part of the new year, you know, get the balance sheet stuff cleaned up, be fully funded, have additional capacity in terms of uh, of processing, uh, and, and ultimately from there, expand into the greater portion, portions of the project. We've only touched about, oh gee, about maybe 10% of this project. So there's a lot of upside and a long ways to go. And you know we see sort of the uh, you know the the ramp up or the volume is being the key. Uh, it's something that we've wanted to do, as I said, from since we be, you know were before COVID. And so COVID was un, un, unexpected. It was unfortunate for a lot of people, including us. Um, the South African power issue was was also unfortunate. But uh, we do have the ability now. We made corrections there, and uh, you know we can run twenty four seven without any reliance on the power now. So really. At this point, it's just about uh, basically getting ready for the new year and uh, ramping up and then uh, determining how much, uh, you know, additional resource we've got in those outside areas. And, and, and that's going to be sort of the focus of next year. So we're pretty look, I mean, overall, it, it's been a tough year, but we're we're quite excited about next year. And and certainly, uh, you know, the value proposition at these levels is uh you know, it's it's a bit ridiculous to us, but, you know, price comes to value and uh, once we demonstrate, we ramp up and get into next year and stuff like that, I think the, you know, obviously we would assume that the stock has the potential to move up quite dramatically from here.
0: Well, speaking of milestones, what operational milestones or goals does the company have in store for 2024?
1: Well, I think the, the absolute thing is, is we want to start out uh, in the new year. Uh, you know the milestones are going to be definitely to go into that outer area. We'd like to see the ability to do an updated 43101 uh, in that outer area. If we can identify, you know, even in a inferred basis, somewhere between three and five million carats, um, you know, then we've got, uh, you know, we would have to increase our, our processing levels by, you know, two, three, four times. Um, it's not expensive to do that. Like I say, total capex we're probably you know, definitely under $5 which is not a normal number for mining companies, a very small number. Um, I think we're going to see, you know, some, uh, you know, additional developments in terms of the funding, maybe the participation of some uh, of the industry's larger players, you know, including maybe perhaps Tiffany's, Louis Vuitton, those types of groups. Um, The supply issue is definitely going to play out. Um, I don't think it's a problem right now, but I think as we get into the first and second quarters... Uh, of next year it will start to be uh, something uh, that everybody will be looking at and uh, you know so for us right now we're we're fine to just sort of finish off this year uh, you know up to December 31st and and really the first quarter of next year we'll be back getting going getting everything prepared to ramp up uh, doing some additional bulk sampling um, some work on those outside areas And then return to sort of selling uh, stuff, uh, you know, as we get into February, March back to, you know, regular, you know, sales cycles. So we think that the prices will come back up, which will be nice. Big stones are always interesting, um, you know, for for us. So, I mean, when we look at it more, it was if you look at last year's fiscal year end, March 31st of this year, um, it was really, really too bad that we got hit with the power. Um, You know, ultimately the power situation with uh, ESCOM probably cost us about four months Um, If you look at the financials, we you know, we we only lost about 750,000 Canadian last year and we lost sort of the last four months um, You know due to the power situation. So, you know had that not happened we were we were comfortable that we were in a pretty good trajectory to actually have a profitable year uh, just from the trial mining phase last year so this year uh, the goal is definitely, um, you know, get things ramped up. And I think it's, you know, like I say, while there's not much news and stuff like that that, that goes on at the moment, um, you know, I think as we get through these next couple of weeks and into the new year, we're definitely going to have some, you know, some fun and it'll it'll get back to being, uh, you know, really quite a fun situation for us. So that's, that's where we see happening.
0: Well, you somewhat answered my question because myself, as a shareholder, and a number of shareholders have been asking, hey, when are we going to have you back on the show? So, in terms of news flow, what can we expect in 2024?
1: Well, I think early on, we'd like to, uh, like I say, we've got the, we were looking at doing a a, a term loan type of financing. Uh, We announced we would do up to $5 million. Um, At this point, I think that that, there's a good possibility that'll get modified. Um, we don't want to get into a situation especially with the current markets where the interest rate is is exorbitant or out of control um we've had a lot of discussions internally uh the largest shareholders much like what happened during covid if we need to do anything uh here ahead of any discussions with industry leaders or majors or stuff like that i think that you know we'll probably look at you know as usual you know insiders management um the largest shareholders um you know we're we're prepared to to sort of add, uh, you know, and put in uh, some sort of a convert or other facility, to increase our shareholdings type of deal. Um, you know, that that's an initial thing. I think that, you know, as we get into February, March, it'll be nice to see, you know, the sales come back on. Um, news wise, uh, again, when we look at the outside areas, uh, you know, next year is going to be a year where we really would like to complete all the. You know, in conjunction with what we're doing in terms of volume increases and the continuation of the trial mining that generates revenue and even has the potential to generate some significant profit, uh, you know, we'll we'll be working on those outside areas um, and, and trying to sort of, uh, you know, get all those samples and that done, uh, you know, move towards an updated 43 101. And then ultimately use that information to, you know, aid us in arriving at initial production decisions. So it's going to be an interesting year. I think, uh, you know, look, we're we're quite excited. I think, um, you know, as we've seen, this has been, you know, it'll it'll also be interesting to see what happens with the Christmas numbers. Um, You know, obviously there's some economics, uh, you know, in terms of the U.S. market, Chinese market, different things uh, that are going on. There's a lot of, you know, you've got inflation, uh, things and that we'll see what the situation is. Everybody thought that during COVID, there would be absolutely no, uh, you know, luxury goods buying or or jewelry or things like that. The world tends to kind of surprise people when it comes, you know, people still get married, they still have birthdays, they still have anniversaries, um, you know, so it can kind of surprise people. So if we have good numbers, uh, you know, at the Christmas and through till, you know, Diwali and, and stuff like that, and we see a little bit of recovery on the you know overall economically worldwide i think that uh, you know we could see uh, you know some good movement here next year
0: well my wife just had a birthday this month and then we have christmas and here i am <laughs> here i'm interviewing you and she just nudged me on the shoulders as we're discussing diamonds
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's, you know it, it's really it, it's really something else that you know no matter what seems to happen um people gravitate towards rarity luxury items um, there's no question um, we could all happily drive uh you know whatever kind of cheaper vehicles there are but it seems like uh, the general population they you know they, they want to buy the the louis vuitton goods they want to buy the tiffany's the car chase the you know they want to buy the mercedes the it's just human nature and and quite frankly i think that we get caught in our own bubble i travel obviously extensively throughout the world dealing with this and it it always astonishing you know astonishes me the amount of. Uh, you know, high net or worth or higher net worth people that are out there. I mean, if you look at this current situation, um, you know, if you look at what what kind of yields you're able to get and what kind of dividends on stocks and that, I think with the market in general, we're seeing a lot of the high net worth individuals that normally fund companies uh, in the junior space. Um, they're more than happy to take no risk right now and, and, and you know, take five, six, seven percent. And you can't blame them. Now, as the rates stabilize and go down, or as guys, you know, I think that there's a lot of money on the sidelines. And I think overall, the resource sector, um, I've certainly never seen it this low. And I think the key now is to pick companies that you know are undervalued. And, you know, I think this entry point here is, is very attractive, to be quite
0: honest. Well, let's look at some numbers. Mr. Taylor, please provide the capital structure for Dimecore Mining.
1: We're we're about 128 million shares issued outstanding, about uh, probably 135 million uh, fully diluted. So it's relatively tight. We we obviously suffered some dilution um, during COVID when we when we hit the three and a half million. But the interesting part of that was, uh, you know, it was almost like it would be similar to what we would see in a, in a rights offering where really there was no change in the, in the net, you know, like for all the biggest shareholders, everybody just, you know, we ended up with more shares, but everybody's, you know, kept the same shareholding. Most of the guys have been in since day one. If we look at overall the share structure, um, you know, between the biggest, you know, biggest shareholders management, all that stuff where, you know, I think we're probably, we have to be, you know, at least 40 to 50% of the the stock is held, uh, you know, by 10, 15 20 people. And, you know, ultimately, you don't see a lot of selling from those groups. You see more accumulation than anything. Um, so it's very, very tightly held, um, you know, and really at this point, you know, I, like I say, again, if we have to do anything at, ahead of a, a better deal, if we think that, you know, to be fully funded next year, you know, we could certainly look at doing it by getting going and ramping up and, and generating revenues. We can do it, you know, if the... If we have bigger luxury goods guys that want to be involved that you know, want to secure supply and, and things like that, um, that opportunity is there. But the share structure itself is uh, like I say, it's it's rather unique uh, in terms of there's not uh, you know there's, there's quite a large portion of it that's held by a, a very slight group of guys that have been in since day one. And really, when we look at these levels here, there's nobody going anywhere at these levels. Uh, so really, it's all about executing right now price comes to value and you know if we do our job and and get this thing i mean we want to see profitability um you know we've demonstrated like i said in past years that that's we're very very close to that even just a trial mining so you know you start talking about two or three times the volume you know their operating costs come down the revenues go up it, it, it's pretty attractive so the sooner we can do that and and the quicker we can do that the better off we are and the outside areas like i say that will help us in the long term where we'll be able to look at saying to whether it's analysts or industry people or funds, hey, you know, if we look at it and say we find, you know, 5 million carats, uh, we know our average dollar per carat conservatively is probably 200 U.S. You know, you're talking about, you know, essentially a a billion plus dollars in gross revenue without, um, you know, big stones. And, And I mean, typically, historically, if we look at it, you know, operating cost per ton. You know, we target under five dollars a ton, so it's extremely low cost. And revenues, you know, somewhere, you know, ten to fifteen dollars a ton. It just depends on big stones. Big stones can, you know, if we go out even in the first quarter of next year, and you know, we saw some stones last year, some fifties, sixties. We've recovered uh, to date the largest, ninety-one point seven. But if we get a, you know, it's hard to imagine, but if we get a You know a good 100 150 carat stone which is is you know the potential is very real and it's good quality we could we could literally do our our market cap in a day so it it is a bit of a disconnect but like i say price comes to value and we're the first ones to admit that you know it all comes down to executing and and demonstration so a couple of good quarters next year of getting things uh, moving and i think we're off to the races
0: well, speaking of shareholders, uh, you and I correspond offline, although we haven't conducted an interview, I think, since January, if yeah. my memory serves me correct. But I'm on record. I'll, I'll be on record. I'm right now. I should say uh, I've been an active buyer. I think I've purchased a couple hundred thousand shares here, September, October. Yeah. You're aware of that. I believe in the value proposition. I'm excited about the the coming year here yeah. with the number of catalysts that we have on the horizon. And it doesn't take much, as you you reference. And no, it. it's.
1: You know no, lot, it doesn't take
0: much no and, and a lot of the barriers that were there you know ESCOM with the electricity we've yeah. overcome that hurdle now and uh it looks very intriguing i should say sir yeah, i will be continuing yeah, to add to my position
1: <laughs> yeah it's you know look it, it is a really interesting uh, i mean i think the the value proposition uh here uh is it's a little bit silly really in my mind i mean i'm i'm biased of course but you know we've like i said if you look at it we've you know we've probably spent close to 100 million on this thing this is not a you know this is not a expiration program we have you know five six hundred ton an hour plants we have heavy equipment we have housing for the guys we've got underground pipelines to bring water in you know yes we've got the power line and, and should escom get you know sort of sorted we can go back to that we've got backup power i mean we you know the the advantages we have i mean Obviously, Venetia is one of the largest diamond mines in the world. You literally you know you pull up to the security gates of Venetia and you either go straight through their security, or you turn left and go to ours. I mean, we can land you know jets uh, on a paved runway for free at the the site. We have access to every supplier there is. um there's just a tremendous amount of advantage we have, and I think one of the things that you know we would look at internally is you know this is junior mining. we We tend to be. You know, sort of in a situation where you know a guy is typically undercapitalized, and uh, you know I think that's that's obviously the case. Now I, I do believe that we're going to you know finally sort that once and for all, uh, you know, early next year, and, and that will be nice to, to get that behind us. I mean, we do have other opportunities. We're constantly looking at stuff, um, other opportunities that the majors may have um, where we can increase, uh, you know, even further. You know, we don't want to get defocused and start jumping around to various different projects just because we want multiple projects. But certainly, if something is near-term production capable and has good quality uh, stones in it, then, you know, we've got the buyers that that will support that. So really, the, the name of the game right now is we've survived through COVID. We've survived through ESCOM. Now we've survived through, you know, a rather difficult end of this year in terms of the diamond industry. But overall, I I mean, next year, we just sort of look at it and say, okay, well, you know, there's not a whole bunch left here that can pop up and and hurt us. So we just have to stay focused on what we're doing here. And then uh, as we get this project up and running and and get it moving along and, and, and that then, you know what, the next thing would be to look at. What makes sense in terms of uh, additional stuff that can increase those revenues? But again, it's one thing at a time; it's it's one step at a time. And uh, you know, like I said, it's we're we're pretty good at uh, you know surviving all these different variables and these unusual things that happen. Um, we've proven that time and again, and and I don't think this will be any different. We'll be there, uh, you know, for next year should things change. That's what we're really focused on right now. Is Let's just make sure we're prepared to take advantage of what we think is going to happen next year. If it doesn't, really doesn't affect us one way or another. But if it does happen, which is what we think, then we're going to be in really good shape. But it's just stick to our knitting right now and, and be very, very strategic in terms of what it is we do and how fast we do it.
0: Sir, before we close, last question, and that is, what did I forget to ask?
1: Yeah, you know... Honestly, I think if I'm sitting in the crowd, the the thing I always ask guys is, you know, what keeps you up at night? Or what do you think are the things that can go wrong? Um, I think we've solved the, you know, the the Ascom deal to a large extent. Um, I think for us to go really fast, um, you know, it's not a huge amount of money, but we'll definitely need to, you know, do a three to five million dollar facility, you know, or, or some restructuring of that, which I think can be done. I mean, myself, the biggest shareholders, um, you know, if we were to do anything right now, I can tell you that, you know, we would probably commit at least a million, a million and a half ourselves to, to throw into that. So that that we see as something that's going to happen. Um, grade is always something we look at, um, but we try and solve that. And that's the reason why we go volume. The larger the volume we, we do, the less grade variability really affects us. Um, finding big stones how quickly you can find them that's you know something we look at Um, you know and how much is in that outer area Um, you know again we're trying to be conservative saying if 50 million carats came off of there let's say we try and find three to five million Um, there's some areas out there that we see as high high potential areas where you know who knows you could find 10 million carats 20 million carats anything like that you find in these high grade trap sites where the diamonds have settled and boy i'll tell you we would have an awful lot of fun if you know we build a model on very very low grade um you know i think the model for going forward is based on you know a three and a half carat per hundred ton in situ uh you know number uh to date we're probably at about seven carats per hundred tons. so we back it off we've seen areas that are as high as 25 26 carats per hundred ton um, it's difficult to model those kind of numbers if you get into an area even for 2 3 years um you know where you have high grade 10 15 carats per 100 ton in situ but it, things change exponentially so it like i said those are the sort of the the things in terms of what questions weren't asked um i think that's being very very straight up with guys um those are the things we look at but none of them are really disastrous uh, i i think we're in in a perfect position now and well the market is tricky and that seems to be the toughest thing right now. Um, you know, making sure that whatever facilities we put in place we try and do it in a in as un, you know non dilutive way as possible. And if we have to dilute some, let's keep it to the you know, the main shareholders and 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 make sure everybody stays uh you know at the same levels because that certainly doesn't hurt us.
0: Well, Mr. Taylor, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, wishing you and DimeCorp Mining the absolute best. Yeah.
1: yeah, you too, Morris. It's always good to, uh, to talk to you. Uh anything uh, any questions anybody has or whatever they're they're always welcome to get a hold of me and uh looking forward to the next year get through this one and wishing everybody uh you know happy holiday season and uh we'll uh look for a a good 2024
0: likewise sir and all the best to you you bet cheers thanks the information presented on proven improbable